So tonight we'll do a little bit more praying, but uh, some announcements. Uh, Ruth, and I already forgot her last name, Smead, I think. Seth? Yeah, um, a Pam had asked for us to pray for her and her husband, and I forgot his name almost instantly after she told me it. So, shocker, I know for me, but um, uh, so uh, we we will pray for for her tonight and for them. And uh, uh, we discussed voting uh, this morning and uh, just the duty of us as Americans that we have to vote, the freedom we have that we should be voting and that the church should be voting. If only it would. And, uh, you know, it's funny because as we're going to get into Psalm 12, you know, David is is writing and uh, he says uh, uh, to the chief musician, and he says, Help, Lord, for the godly man ceases, for the faithful disappear from among the sons of men. You know, the fact that, that the church uh, is where it's at and often doesn't even vote, doesn't stand as an example in many different ways, is sad. So we do have the commission. We need to be voting, and I think we all here uh, plan to, and, and hopefully that is the case. Um, I uh, Don't get me wrong. I don't have a whole lot of hope in really any person that uh, presents um, usually plans that are too good to be true. Um, I, I do try, I do believe that there are better candidates than others uh, that we can that we can place more trust in. Um, but uh, it's it's hard, I guess. Over, I'm a little bit jaded, um, you know. I guess is the way you could say it. You know, it, it's tough. It's tough. We were even just talking. Um, Sarah had mentioned that there was, you know, a politician that had said something recently that just like, oh, really? <laughs> I thought I liked that guy. <laughs> you know, that type of thing. But you know, I, I just encourage you to do your research, and I do very much encourage everybody to vote uh, for the protection of life um, in the womb. So, um, but we uh, uh, we uh, we have an opportunity to Tuesday, and I pray that we all do. I hope that we all do. So, so we have prayed. Yes, and. Yes. And that, as you said, um, you know, both are conscious, you know, and, but also realize that, like, you know, like you're just morning said, so that we're sinners, man is a sinner, so no one's going to meet everything. Yeah. Right. Right. And then ultimately, in my mind, God will control. We should be at peace with that. Yes, our faith and trust should be in the Lord, and we uh, we trust Him, and we want godly men and women to be in those positions. That's the way I look at it. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. So, Psalm, we already prayed. And uh, ask the Lord to bless our time in the Word. So Psalm 11 is where we'll pick up. And uh, um, David is writing this. And uh, really the tone, uh, really the, the theme, I should say, of this is faith in the Lord's righteousness. 
Uh, it might even say that in your Bible, you know, written. Uh, that's what it said in mine. And as we discuss, as we read through it, I'm sure that we're going to find uh, that it uh, rings true to the title. So uh, verse one says to the chief musician, a psalm of David and the Lord, I put my trust. How can you say to my soul, flee as a bird to your mountain? For look, the wicked bend their bow. They make ready their arrow on, a, on the string that they may shoot secretly at the upright in heart. If the foundations are destroyed, what can righteous man do? The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes behold, his eyelids test the sons of men. The Lord tests the righteous, but the wicked and the one who loves violence, his soul hates. Upon the wicked, he will rain coals. Fire and brimstone and a burning wind shall be the portion of their cup. For the Lord is righteous. He loves righteousness. His countenance beholds the upright. So just starting off, uh, as David writes, uh, in the Lord I put my trust. How can you say to my soul, flee as a bird uh, to your mountain? So in a time when David had plenty of enemies bending their bows at him, uh, David could have wanted to flee. And uh, there are times uh, where we should flee and, and, uh, and that we need to. Um, but what he's describing here is uh, because he says in verse 2, he says, For look, the wicked bend their bow. They make ready their arrow on the string that they may shoot secretly at the upright in heart. That there's an enemy that may not be uh, completely visible. He knows there's an underlying thing and, you know, who can you trust and who you can't. But the enemy makes ready to kill him is what David is writing about. And as he's as he's stating this, you know, he's, he's speaking of a, a surprise attack. You know, we might uh, have experienced a similar thing in our lives. It may not have been like David on a battlefield, uh, but it could have been a similar situation in a workplace where, you know, someone's, you know, where they say, oh, this person's gunning for me. You know, this person's got it out for me. You know, th those types of, of things where it might be family members or friends that, that are uh, not in our corner and may have, uh, you know, some sort of, um, uh, you know, spot where they are experiencing a, um, you're in the crosshairs, you know, and they're experiencing some sort of, um, maybe it's uh, a, a level of uh, jealousy or uh, whatever it is. But David knows that he's in a, he's in a war. He's, he's, uh, he knows that people are making their, their bow that they're, they're ready for him. So as he's writing, as he's writing that and speaking of it, you know, he says, you know, how can you say, uh, to my soul flee as a bird to your mountain now? Um, so there's enough of, uh, you know, I, I speaking somebody, he's, I think he's speaking to somebody here saying, how can you say for me to, to, to flee, but where my strength is actually found in the Lord. And, um, you know, he's, he's had, you know, someone might even tell them, you know, I've had enough of facing this opposition, uh, that you, you've, you've seen enough of this, just run and it's all going to work out, you know? And, uh, you know, there is a time to flee. Like we talked about fleeing temptation. Uh, remember Joseph being, uh, seduced, uh, the attempted seduction of Potiphar's wife. You know, going and literally throwing herself on him and grabbing a hold of his jacket, and that that fleeing from sin. There are things that we should flee from, 
uh, and uh, sin is most definitely one of those. We should not be partaking. Uh, getting to the point where we're so familiar with what is setting us up, you know, that sin that, that may have drawn us in before and may have ruled over us in our lives before. Wait a minute. You know, start knowing our enemy's tactics, right? And understanding, wait a minute, this is being said, this is all lining up for this, you know, and it may not be, uh, it may be a, a, a straight up spiritual attack, especially if you're about to step into ministry or you're stepping into obedience to the Lord or the Lord has called us to do something specific. Okay, what tactics can the enemy use against you? You know, oh, let's let's draw him back into sin. Let's let's do this. Let's set up these obstacles, whatever it is, that will make us want to flee and, and believe that God is not going to take care of the problem. You know, so there's the the temptation to flee from, uh, but sometimes the problems can't be run from. The problems need to be faced head on. Sometimes it's putting on the armor and here we go. It's time for battle. You know, <laughs> and uh, there there are times to flee, but um, you know this is uh, this is a time for David to remain and stand on God's righteousness as he's writing, and uh, you know he can stand knowing that he's upright in heart and and that he's being uh, he's being unduly persecuted, and uh, he's he's in this circumstance that he's writing. So we don't always know exactly the the uh, the setting of each psalm as it's being written. But we can understand that David faced many battles in his life, and sometimes from within his own family. Could have been Saul. It could have. You know, there were. Uh, he's always in a battle with the Philistines or whoever else it might have been. There was always an enemy, you know, on one side or the other that David was was constantly dealing with. And uh, he was a man of war. You know, when he wanted to build the house for the Lord, the Lord's like, your hands are way too bloody. You know, we're gonna we're gonna pass that on down. You know, so so David was a man of war. So he he wasn't used to running. He wasn't one that he would flee when he needed to. Uh, and uh, we we know that he did from Saul. You know, he he knew that he was righteous and uh, that he was upright and and he was doing what he needed to uh, in life. But that uh, Saul had it out for him and was literally trying to stick him to the wall with his spear. It says so that. That's a little credible threat, right? <laughs> it's crazy. Verse three says, "If the foundations are destroyed, what can righteous uh, can the righteous do?" So, speaking of uh, foundations that are are destroyed, you know, the ground that we stand on or have built or are destroyed, and uh, we just need to remember who the Lord is and rebuild. You know, if there's something that uh, that seems to be crumbling beneath us, we can look to the Lord and say, God, I, I, I in, you know that I haven't created this issue or whatever. I need you at where, where it feels like things are coming down on top of me or, or even the, the, the floor under me is crumbling and I don't have a place to go. We can go to the Lord and ask him to help us to rebuild. Now, thinking of rebuilding, if uh, you look at the books of uh, Ezra and Nehemiah, where they were both called to lead uh, in the rebuilding of Jerusalem and a rebuilding of the temple. And uh, when, when you see how they had to step out, that everything was, was just destroyed. And they were called and they were faithful to the call and lead everybody when they went back. And, uh, you know, so when foundations, when everything seems to be crumbling above, below, whatever it is, we can just trust in the Lord and ask him to help us to rebuild that which we can stand on. And uh, if, if our foundation is the Lord, that, that foundation will never crumble. Um, but if we're in a situation where it might be a work situation, it might be this or that, where it just seems like there is so much against us, uh, or persecution for our faith, just understanding that the rock doesn't crumble. 
You know, that, that foundation, if we're, if our foundation is Christ, that foundation will never crumble. It, it, he, he is the foundation that we can trust in. In verse 4, it says, The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes behold, his eyelids test the sons of men. So it's, it's important for us to understand where David is writing this, and he's talking about those against him and things that are crumbling and, you know, what can the righteous do? And then he goes, the Lord is in his holy temple. God's still on the throne. You know, things may seem totally out of control and uh, everything seems to be flipped upside down and, and a complete mess in our lives. Um, hopefully we weren't the ones to do that. But, you know, under attack, uh, we need to understand that when when we're walking uh, in the Lord and and we can say, you know what, this isn't a result of a sin of mine, you know, whatever I'm dealing with, uh, then we can go to the Lord and say and, and just cry out to him, not making demands, but uh in, in from our hearts, crying out to him, saying, Lord, you know this situation. You know what's going on here. I pray that you would you would help me and take care of it. And we can rest knowing that he does. Romans 8.28, all things work for good. We know that all things work for good for those who love God and are the called according to his purpose. So, you know, whether it's a, a, um, a trial that we're going through, whether it's a... Um, it could be a uh, a circumstance of uh, of instruction where the Lord is is putting us through a trial. It might be something that we're going through that we need to just say, Lord, I don't understand all this, but I need I need you. I need you to to uh, to help me through it. But as David is writing this, he's talking about the Lord is in His holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. And he's saying, though the one that I trust in is still in control. And for that, it's important for us to understand that. Deuteronomy 32.10 uh, says, says that, uh, you know, who the apple of his eye is. And you know, the people that love him, you know, God's people. Literally that, that thing that makes him glad that he, when he looks on our lives. You know, so we don't ever have to wonder, does, does the Lord love me enough to care for this or anything? Just whatever it is that we can bring it right to him. And, and David is saying, oh, the, Lord, the Lord's throne is in heaven. He's in control. And, and I know that he loves me. He's got his eye on me. And that's uh, where it says, his eyes behold, his eyelids test the sons of men. Verse 5 says, uh, the Lord tests the righteous, but the wicked and the one who loves violence, his soul hates. Now, uh, the first part of that, God tests the righteous. You know, we can go through trials in which he's going to strengthen us. I, uh, one of my daughters recently going through something pretty heavy for her, very hard for her to go through an experience. And um, the Lord, I was just getting ready for work, and everybody's still sleeping in the house, and God's like, send this to her right now. So I'm right in the middle of the morning, just, you know, send her uh, James 1, verses 1 through 3 about the trials and, and how God uses trials uh, to, to build us to maturity. You know, and uh, and uh, you know, just to give it that that response, thanks, Dad. You know, it meant a lot to me. You know, and uh, because it was just, it, it wasn't something where I just sat there. What do I need to do, Lord? Just, you know, you guys, I'm sure you've experienced it as you're walking with the Lord. He just puts a word uh, in your heart and uh, and in your mind that you you need to share. We need, I need to share this, whatever the circumstance might be. And uh, he's he's so. Uh, faithful to minister to us, uh, and I uh, may use other people. He may use our own time in the Word, but it's the Lord who trials that strengthens us in the trial. And uh, we see the, uh, you know, I guess you could look at that verse uh, at it as verse five a, where it says the Lord tests the righteous, and then the second half of it, but the wicked and the one who loves violence, 
his soul hates. That, that's it. You know, there's, there's no beating around the bush. Those that are wicked and love violence, he hates. You know, God, God does hate things. God, God does have a hatred uh, for unrighteousness and, and uh, for those that love violence, that love to take uh, advantage of people and, and, and those things. And um, to be in a spot, does the Lord want them to be saved? Yes. But the, what's being described here is somebody who, uh, you, you remember when uh, the, Lord, uh, the Lord was speaking about the, uh, some of the nations that Israel was going to go conquer. And no, you go wipe all those out. Remember, they came behind us and they took out all the weak ones and they're killing everybody that's in the back of the pack. The wicked ones that just say, you know what, those are the easy targets. You know, I just saw in the news this week that um, that Russia had um, had had times where it was just like mass killing. They just go in and they just kill everybody, men, women, children. And they were just trying to make a state. We were talking today after church about some of the things Hitler did and uh, that he um, I think it was it was uh, Shane that had mentioned that, you know, when they uh, they got the opportunity to uh, uh, Hitler just told them, yeah, just go go attack uh, Jews, do whatever you want, wreck their houses just for the weekend. And when when you stop, uh, just say, well, why? Why are we stopping? He just I just want to see if we can get away with it. Right. What's that crystal night? You're right. Okay. So just guys, there's, there's a, a, a tremendous amount of wickedness. God does hate wickedness. He does, you know, he is a God of love. He, he, he does love. Um, and he, he wants the wicked to repent. So when we put the, the whole scripture together, we can see that, that God, God doesn't, uh, you know, rejoice in the death of the wicked. There isn't this, this, but, but he hates their deeds. He hates those 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 wicked deeds. You know, he hates the works of those uh, who are separated. They've separated themselves to wickedness and to violence, where they would take advantage of people. And he calls them to repentance, but hates their deeds. And uh, that's that's quite a spot to be in. Um, you know, I uh, when I look at that, I'm going, okay, my uh, pre-Christ life probably wasn't so pleasing to him. <laughs> You know, when I when I look at that and separated the violence, you know, I did, I wasn't, you know, but the wickedness stuff, yeah, sure. Just all we got to do with wicked is just follow the crowd, right? I mean, there are different different degrees, different degrees of wickedness, um, but that uh, that uh, desire to do what's what's wicked and evil uh, is there. With, <clears throat> excuse me, in in uh, verse six. Verse 6, it says, Upon the wicked he will rain coals, fire, and brimstone, and a burning wind shall be the portion of their cup. For the, uh, We'll just uh, just do verse 6 there. For, uh, you know, for the unrighteous that won't repent, the portion of their cup will be God's judgment. Uh, you know, his wrath. You know, the, the, when you can say the portion of the cup, the, what's in there, they'll drink the wrath of God on, in their lives and on their lives. No, where it says the wrath of God being poured out, I, I don't want anything to do with that. And and uh, to uh, to know that it does exist. God's wrath does exist. And, and uh, there is judgment for uh, the the killing of innocent people. I mean, those those people, those that are taking you know, innocent you know, men, women, and children, just murdering them. That's, I, I, it literally leaves me speechless to think, you know, what would it be like to answer for that, to stand and go, yeah, I did that. You know, I took advantage of this. You know, um, the, the, when you think of, um, I don't know that anything gets my blood boiling more. There are a few things. Um, 
but to know that sex trafficking is a thing. And I watched a, I saw a, um, I saw a clip. I think I, I may have said this before. If I did, I'm sorry, but um, I saw an advertisement for it, and it was men. Uh, it showed them getting arrested, and I think I did share this on Wednesday. No, I wasn't here Wednesday. Anyways, so I saw it, and um, and it was a, it was like an advertisement for a ministry uh, or or organization that is designed to go on boots on ground, go arrest people that are doing this and to save these, these children and these women or whoever is, is, is being, uh, abused this way. And so they're showing that. And then they go, they break away to a clip when they're undercover. And as they're undercover, there's a bunch of guys sitting around bragging about the young, how young of girls that they've been able to, uh, take advantage of and to sexually abuse and joking, oh hey, yeah, this guy, this guy has a fourteen-year-old that he keeps somewhere and whatever. And then another one. So how? What's the youngest? And he's bragging, ten years old. And I just, oh, that person. <laughs> yeah, for the unrighteous that won't repent, the wrath that is coming upon them, fire and brimstone consumed Sodom and Gomorrah. And it's no more. Everything was just wiped out. Fire and brimstone is not what we want. That's not what anybody should want. But God's judgment, you know, his wrath, he's righteous. He's he's a righteous judge. He's perfect. That's what we see in verse 7. That would kind of a good transition. For the Lord is righteous. He loves righteousness. His countenance beholds the upright. You know, with a holy and just God and, and a perfect judge, they, they will face the penalty due. You know, we, this morning was uh, communion. And we talked about being able to, because of the broken body and the blood that was poured out, that we can stand righteous in front of the Lord because of what Christ has done for us. That our Lord died for us, uh, that substitutionary death, uh, that he died for us. That we can now face a perfect judge and understand that the, the sentence has already been fulfilled on our behalf. It's already been, our, our guilt has been washed away. <clears throat> that... Now, if you think of um, if you think of blood or you think of juice being spilled on something, it creates a stain, right? But that the blood washes us white, isn't that crazy? The scripture says that the blood actually washes us white as snow. That's it's an amazing thing. The Lord loves a righteousness and hates unrighteousness. That's what we're seeing here. This this contrast. So, you know, uh, for us, we love to see the good guy or girl rewarded. Think of a movie. You like to see the, the one that deserves it. But we also, if you guys are anything like me, you like to see the bad guy get what they deserve, right? Right. Yeah. Uh, there isn't a whole lot of, I hope he gets saved. <laughs> you know, it's for some movies, you know what I mean? I, just the, the guilty, conv you know, I can, uh, I, what do you say? I don't even know what I'm trying to say there, but there's that. Yeah, I sometimes don't wish for that, you know, and uh, that's uh, maybe the wrong thing on my part, but. <laughs> right you got one breath left <laughs> you better repent though no i uh yeah we 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 do but uh, you know god's very countenance it says you know his his um his face is looking upon the righteous and this uh for me as i read this and and um as i just kind of meditating on it it uh, made me think the decision's very easy when we look at things through that type of lens that, you know, would I rather have the Lord looking upon me and fire and brimstone getting brewed up 
or would I rather have the Lord's countenance, you know, looking at me um, and uh, that he's beholding me as, excuse me, upright in his eyes. Psalm 12, verse 1. To the chief musician on an eight-stringed harp, Psalm of David, help, Lord, for the godly man ceases, for the faithful disappear from among the sons of men. They speak idly, every one with his neighbor, with flattering lips and a double heart they speak. May the Lord cut off all flattering lips and the tongue that speaks proud things. Who have said, with our tongue we will prevail. Our lips are our own. Who is Lord over us? For the oppression of the poor, for the sighing of the needy, now I will arise, says the Lord. I will set him in the safety for which he yearns. The, the words of the Lord are pure words, like silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. You shall keep them, O Lord. You shall preserve them from this generation forever. The wicked prowl on every side when vileness is exalted among the sons of men. So uh, moving to uh, verse 1, and we'll move on from there. It says, Help, Lord, for the godly man ceases, for the faithful disappear from among the sons of men. We discussed that a little bit. Uh, I don't remember if it was it was before worship or, um, yeah, it would have been after worship because we started the service with worship. So, um, sorry, I start getting the, the services mixed up in my brain. And uh, um, But uh, we, we understand that uh, going back, Psalm 11, it was speaking about a foundation that was crumbling. And now the godly people seem to be diminishing, disappearing, you know, wickedness increasing. Sound like a familiar setting? <laughs> yes. Yeah. You know, the light dimming and, and uh, darkness growing, you know, difficult times. As David was seeing, uh, there was less and less, uh, there were less and less people seeking God. And, and uh, um, we could, we can look at the, the, the culture we're in right now and say the same. And, What's even more concerning is that the culture we have now, especially if you think of over the over the COVID times where everybody was separated, and I'm starting to hear of all these studies that have been done about uh, the um, the uh, education system and how far behind uh, the the kids are in math and in science and and those things. When you separate them and you isolate people, and how, how it has negatively impacted their lives. There were very few things that came good of, of COVID. Uh, one thing I can, I can say is that this church started doing a broadcast of our services live. I don't, I don't remember ever doing that before uh, COVID. We might have. But it's more prominent now, and and uh, as I've shared uh, before, you know we we have uh, you know our iPad set up here, and, and it's uh, in a it's a opportunity for people to be able to watch and and uh, and be able to tune in, or maybe go back and you know take some notes or whatever it is. So there there are some good things, but overall, when you think of the the uh, when you take everybody and you shove them in their homes, and they tell you tell them they can't go to church, they can go to a bar. They can go get marijuana if they need. They can go get all these things, but you cannot meet in church because then you're going to be super spreaders. You know, you could do like all those things. You separate people, and then all they have is whatever's available to them. Okay, instead of being in the Word, there's video games and TV and uh, whatever else, or just just being desperate. You know, everybody just getting depressed. Think of the depression that happened. 
that, you know, kids can't be around their friends and, and all these things. When you start taking those and you think of, uh, even in this church, we've seen people like that have gone away that have not returned since, since COVID started and haven't heard from them since haven't seen like, uh, like a Facebook message of, Hey, you know, I'm still alive. I just, you know, like, there, there are people that have dropped off. You know, look at what's happened in the businesses and and uh, and all these things. But when when this is talking of the godly man ceases, how does that happen? You know, how how could somebody who's living a godly life cease to be living a godly life? And it's that disconnect. Remember, I, I told you years ago, Will, when he shared, he just said, all we, all we need to do uh, to drift is to untie from the dock. That's it. The tide's going to take you out. It's the little things. It's usually not a, hey, you know what? I'm just going to, sin is gradual, right? You start out here. You usually don't, uh, when someone's, uh, you know, if you think of a, a drug or whatever, uh, they're usually not going to start out with whatever it might, you know, a heroin or some people have. Don't get me wrong. I, uh, but usually it'll start, oh, just, just hey, let's try some cigarettes. You know, well, you're smoking already. Why don't you smoke this? Why don't you smoke some, some weed with us, some pot, you know? Why don't you do that? Okay, so now you've done that. Why don't you take some uppers or downers with us? You know, there's that. It, it just progresses uh, very much, uh, you know, as the, 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 the godly man ceases. Well, the godly man ceases because they just start disconnecting themselves from, uh, from godly fellowship, getting out, of, getting out of church, stop reading the Bible. Stop, uh, you know, anything of, you know, worshiping on our own, praying, you know, those things. And, and just getting into what COVID did to a lot of people is putting them into a state of depression where I don't want to do all these things anymore. You know, I mean, just isolate, isolate, isolate. And they pushed everybody in their homes. Don't go out. Don't go shopping. Order your food. People are still ordering. You know, and I, I, I walked into Walmart today and people are still ordering for people and they're walking around with these huge carts and they're filling a bunch of people's orders and stuff. There's still a, a great, a great push for, hey, you, you don't have, even have to go in. You know, if you're afraid, you just stay out. You know, that, that isolation, you know, uh, I've shared it before, but, you know, the, uh, you know, watching uh, Animal Planet or whatever and, and when you're watching Big Cat Diaries or whatever and I, I, I love, I love watching uh, specifically about big cats. I, they, they hunt. I always feel bad for the little gazelle that gets caught, uh, but, but <laughs> stop me from watching it. You know, I, uh, I, I do cause you, you know, you see it fighting for its life and it's not going to make it, you know, but, but how does that one get caught? It gets separated. And once it gets separated, it's now vulnerable to a greater attack and a more lethal attack. And that's what happens. So the godly man ceases. It doesn't. What he's saying here, for the faithful disappear from the sons of men. It's not like people are just disappearing. It's their conduct is changing, and they're no longer walking with the. That's what he's talking about. Is those that 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 were walking with the Lord are no longer walking with the Lord. Those. It's not that those people were just ceasing to like disappearing or anything. When it says here, the faithful disappear. It's that they're they they're they're changing. Uh, and, you know, as, you know, there's a diminishing and a disappearance and wickedness increasing, all these things, it's easy to get discouraged and say, well, what am I doing? You know, wh why should I continue? You know, anybody who's, who's, uh, here I am talking to the Sunday night crowd, um, but uh, it, there's the, well, everybody else is going this way. I guess everybody's lost hope, so I might as well join the crowd and go. 
you know, and uh, just just going that way is never going to work for us. Verse two says they speak idly, every one with his neighbor, with flattering lips and a double heart. They speak. May the Lord cut off all flattering lips and the tongue that speaks proud things who have said with our tongue, we will prevail. Our lips are our own. Who is Lord over us? There's a description here of when we start looking at the fruit of the lips, and, and it's about the fruit of the lips in this path, uh, this passage, the righteous, righteous versus the sinful. And it, it describes a neighbor being deceitful and backstabbing those around them. You know, flattery, flattery uh, is, uh, it, it's uh, always dangerous. You know, the flattery means you're trying to butter somebody up, right? You know, when you, when you, you know, the, I heard somebody uh, joking uh, this this uh, this week at work. It was kind of funny. This somebody was just kind of talking, and this other guy's like, "Do you hear this guy?" <laughs> okay, you know, it's getting thick. You know, he said something like that, and uh, and I'm going, "Okay, that's kind of funny." But usually, when when you see flattery, uh, when you witness it, or or you witness it uh, to yourself or anything, uh, be careful. Uh, you know, the buttering up. Why do we butter things up? Because we're going to devour it, right? <laughs> you, know, you think of buttering up. I don't know where the statement came from. Uh, it might be an old one that I'm just totally mis misusing right now. But when I think of butter up, well, scoop of butter and you're putting it on something because you want it to taste good when you devour it. You know, so that that flattery uh, is setting somebody up. And and uh, it, it also describes pride here. And as as uh, this person, you know, with with our tongue we we will prevail. Our lips are our own. You know, who is Lord over us? And you know, pride's just flowing off their tongues. And and uh, we'll say what we want. Who's Lord over us? I don't answer to anybody. You know, that uh, that rebellious heart that that's uh, just out there in in pride, just speaking what what they want here. We don't. I don't answer to anybody. You know, uh, who who is Lord over us? Um, you know, our lips are our own. That's literally saying, I'll say what I want to say. Nobody's going to censor me. Nobody's, you know, I don't, I don't answer it. I don't have a master. Okay. Well, do you, you know, do we want a savior? Yeah. Well, if you want a savior, he needs to be your Lord and your savior. You know, it can't just be, you know, well, you know, hey, I got saved once and uh, you know, I said the prayer and, uh, and that's good. Me and God having an, having an, have an agreement where I can kind of do what I want. He knows that in my heart that I believe in him and, uh, yeah, no, it's not really how it works. <laughs> Lord and Savior, it's got to be both. So uh, you know that uh, you know who's Lord. Uh, you know I answer to nobody. That type of, of of approach has never ended well for anyone. It never has. You know the perception may be in in certain circles that oh yeah you know they did it their way. They they you know they didn't have to answer anybody. The the end result of someone rebelling against the Lord, doing their own thing. I don't answer to anybody. You know, I'm the captain of my fate, and whatever that, that quote was, the master of my destiny or whatever. That I, I'm, can, I think I'm flip-flopping some words there, but that mindset that I, 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 I've got everything and I, I don't have any fear of God or anybody else. Who's the Lord over me? Proverbs 18.21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it uh, eat its fruit. You know, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Remember, Jesus was saying, because the religious leaders were coming to him about purification, and he has to tell them, it's it's not what comes goes into a body that defiles somebody, it's what comes out. 
And you remember James, James warning about the tongue and the damage a tongue can do, how, how great a fire, uh, you know, it, you can just, a little, a little fire can spread, just wildfire. You ever watched a, uh, have you ever just uh, you know, had a, a fire going in the backyard and thrown a uh, dry Christmas tree on it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I watched it. I think it was a fire training video um, where they show a dry, um, if you haven't seen it, just look up uh, on YouTube. Just go. You've seen it, haven't you? Yeah. Uh, you see it on YouTube. It's amazing. Within 30 seconds, the whole house, the like all you like, you can't even see anything. So the perception that hey, once once the fire's raging, you know, there, I, there's always. I don't know about you guys, but you know, I'm a guy. Guys do things when you're sitting in church or you're in a group of people and you're going, okay, how can I play it? You know, you got that hero game going. Like, all right, if somebody does this, I'm going to run across the room and I'm going to karate kick him and and uh, I'm going to save the day. There's that, that guy thing. I, you know, I, I just it, 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 I, maybe it's just me, but I remember I remember we were. Uh, that me and a couple of buddies were walking in the mall, and and uh, and we were we were the punks that were in the mall, and we were teenagers. And he's like, "I just want to see some guy." My buddy goes, "I just want to see some guy that maybe stole something or pushed somebody over running, and I want to get a full NFL hit on them where they don't even see me coming and put and break break them through the glass, you know." So it's just that that mindset that I'm going to be a hero or whatever. So when it comes to a fire in a house, there's. Um, when I've, when I, hopefully none of us uh, have never or, or do never uh, deal with that. But when when you watch it, if you look up that video, just uh, like um, uh, Christmas tree fire uh, fire training video or something, and you see how fast uh, this dry Christmas tree went up in flames, and it was less than thirty seconds, and you couldn't see anything. Less than thirty seconds, so that fire alarm goes off. At, at what point? I don't know, 10 seconds, 15 seconds. And at that point, everything's black. Nothing can be seen. I know people. I uh, went to high school with a guy that went back into his house and didn't come back out to go get his dog. You know, there, there's when when we think of, we're talking about tongues and, and, and the the uh, where our tongue can lead us. And then you tie that to James, where James is talking about, see how great a fire, a, a, little, a little fire kindles, um, a little flame kindles. I'm, I'm messing up the words there just a little bit i think you get the point but there's that little flame and it goes just turns just it, it's it's crazy and then there, you're dealing with where there's smoke and fire uh it's chaos everything it's destroying everything and this what these guys are talking about is i'll say and do what i want i'm just gonna speak and i'm, I'm there's no repercussions for how i speak and and all these things but for the christian for us to consider what what uh, Solomon wrote in Proverbs, Solomon, we we know uh, the wisdom he had from the Lord and uh, world renowned wisdom. He wrote, "Death and life are in the power of the tongue." You know, it's it's we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and we're saved. Right? It's the, those important things, and those who love it eat of its fruit. Verse five. It says, for the oppression of the poor and for the sighing of the needy, now I will arise, says the Lord. I will set him in the safety for which he yearns. You know, the Lord intervening on behalf of the poor and needy and uh, that he, he's saying that he'll provide the safety that, that, that they're yearning for. Uh, there is no safety closer to what the Lord can offer us. There's, there's no gun, there's no group of people that we can have that would ever be able to protect us more than God can. There's, there's nothing that can provide us. Uh, you know, 
a gun could jam. A whole group of people might be that you thought were your friends might run off and you're fighting that fight by yourself or, or whatever it might be. Uh, you know, there's, there's uh, putting our faith in anything other than, than him. You know, if he arises on our behalf, you know, if you were here this morning, remember the discussion of Gideon. Um, he had too many people, you know, and, and the Lord said, no, you've got too many people. And if you get victory when you go in and, and you attack the Midianites and kill them, uh, you guys are going to claim victory for yourselves that you did it. So what you need to do is first ask any, if anybody's scared. 22,000 people gone. <laughs> Anybody scared? Go ahead and go home. 22,000 gone. There remain 10,000 left. So he started off with 32,000, ends up with 300 because the Lord does that test. You know, if they're going to lap from the water or scoop it into their hands. And the Lord says, hey, the guys that lapped with the water, you're going to go in with those 300 and I'm going to give you victory in a crazy way. I didn't say it that way, but he does. He, he does. You know, they end up killing themselves. They're stabbing each other because of the loud noise that they made and uh, the, the bright lights uh, that are going off. It startles everybody and they just start fighting each other. They don't even know what's going on. How did they get that victory? The Lord. It's the Lord. You know, when when he says that, that uh, you know, for the oppression of the poor, for the sighing of the needy, now while it arise, says the Lord, I will set him in safety for which he yearns. You know, there is no safety greater than the Lord. You know, when, when we see that, you know, where Gideon may have had a little bit more uh, comfort in knowing, you know, I got the strength in numbers. We're good to go. We're, we're going to go into this 32,000. We're doing okay. No, going all the way down to 300 people. You know that, I don't know if you've heard the, the saying, I, I heard it when I was fairly new to Christian Christianity was me and my God make a majority, you know, and, uh, you know, the, remember Elijah against the prophets of Baal, you know, 450 of, of them against him. And uh, who won that? <laughs> so, you know, they're all, they all get burned up. The fire comes down and consumes uh, everybody, all the prophets of Baal and, and the, uh, the sacrifice itself. Verse 6. The words of the Lord are pure words, like silver tried in the furnace of the earth, of earth, purified seven times. So God's words are pure. I, you know, may our words reflect our maker. You know, I uh, I wish I could say that uh, in my life I've never said a bad word. Uh, I've never said, you know, stupid things that I that I regret. And you know, when I can look at this and see that God's word is pure and it will purify us, you know, if we yield to it, you know, if we allow the the pure word to come into our hearts, uh, that we understand where it's saying here, verse six, the words of the Lord are pure words. Like silver tried in a furnace, that, that bright, you know, purified seven times. Go through that heating, right, where it's burning off. And, you know, the, the chaff rises and it's clear, and back in, and the chaff rises. And, you know, just just the, the Im imperfections being burned off. You know, and and uh, that that us as Christians, that that our words would would be different, and uh, that the people would understand us, that they wouldn't. They wouldn't, you know, it's, it's shameful for Christians to be uh, partaking in a, um, you know, lunchtime. Hey, uh, let me tell you this joke. Hey, have you heard this one? No, go over. You, you really want to make a, a statement and not a statement out of pride. You want to separate yourself from that? Go over, put some headphones on and read your word. You know, <laughs> just be this is stupid. Get up and excuse yourself from it and go do something. Go for a walk. 
go, go, you know, put your headphones in and listen to whatever it is, you know, uh, instead of sitting around listening to that garbage. Ephesians 4, verses 29 through 32 <clears throat> says, Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, and be kind to one another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. And uh, it just uh, looking at the difference, you got the one saying, oh, No one's a lord over me. No, you know, I, no one's going to control what I, my lips are my own. <laughs> My lips are my own, and who is Lord over us? You know, the total opposite for us, that as as we go to the, the, the pure word of the Lord and let it purify us, that this would be uh, what comes out of us. That it wouldn't be corrupt words that are coming out of our mouths, but what are the words that come out are necessary for edification. Edification is the building up. That, that we would be saying words to build others up instead of joining in the trash talk. That it may impart grace to the hearers. You know, here's the, isn't that the total opposite of what we're reading? Um, when, you know, the, uh, in verse, uh, I think it was, yeah, it was verse four. You know, with our tongues, we will prevail. We'll say what we need to. You know, wordsmiths. You know, and, and when we can see here from Ephesians 4, that uh, the Christian should be conducting ourselves different. Proverbs 10.20 says, The tongue of the righteous is choice silver. The heart of the wicked is worth little. I'll read that again. The tongue of the righteous is choice silver. The heart of the wicked is worth little. You know, what should be coming out of our mouths? The word of God. You know, I mean, there, there's nothing wrong with having a, a conversation about you know, cars or motorcycles or, you know, sports or anything like that. But when, when we have an opportunity, when, when all this junk is, you know, riding in a car or whatever, uh, you know, carpool and, oh, let me tell you this. Hey, let me tell you something. You know, there, there may be that opportunity that we have that, you know what, I'm not going to partake in that. You want to fill my mind with junk? I'm going to fill your mind with what changed my life. You know, if they're not having any respect uh, for for our ears, uh, then uh, then flip it around. You know, and uh, things the conversations might be different later. It's funny. Uh, the uh, um, I I usually I usually will uh, I, I I don't want to make this sound wrong because I don't walk around correcting somebody if they swear in front of me. Um, I uh, I had a, a family member of mine was all scared. He was coming to a Bible study with me years ago here. He's like, man, I hope I don't say something stupid, whatever. Like the first sentence out of his word, he swears. Out of his mouth, he swears. <laughs> and I'm just like, dude, I'm so glad you're here, you know. And we, we laughed about it on the way home. But, you know, I just tell people, look, I'm not going to melt. You know, oh, you're a pastor. Oh, I'm sorry. You know, I don't usually don't just walk in and declare that. But it would, so usually usually people talk and they find out, you know, what I've found. Um, it, even way before I became a, a, a pastor. But, um the that I'm a Christian, you know, and it's it should be evident by how we talk, what we say, by the way we live our lives. And they're going to say, hey, you notice that you know that I mean, the conversation doesn't really go very far uh, with that guy or girl, you know, or that woman or whatever it is. And and oh yeah, yeah, they yeah, they they're at church all the time. They're like three times a week. 
week. <laughs> you know, oh, oh, okay. Uh, you know, and they'll swear. Oh, oh, sorry. I'm like, dude, I'm not going to melt. Just, I want you to be yourself. Or I want people to be comfortable around me. You know, it, it's a, it's not something I've never said before, and that I'm not ever going to hear again. So be comfortable. We'll get. We can build that relationship. You know, and, and be able to share and, and be able to talk and. Uh, you know, when, once we have the camaraderie there, then we can then, then as the relationship grows, be like, all right, let's have a talk. We know each other well enough, right? You know, um, and I'm, what I'm uh, what I'm not saying to you is if somebody's just out there blabbing, blah 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 blah, and oh yeah, any Christians in the Bible, this and that, get right into it. <laughs> be like, okay, yeah, we want to talk. Let's talk. You know, and not not to be. Uh, in in a fighting manner, but hey, I'm a Christian. I'm willing to, you know, let's simmer down here and and, and let's talk, you know, and let's have a discussion, and uh, and hopefully, uh, us graciously through the Word can say, all right, can can we talk about what a Christian is and who? Are, I'm sorry if you experience this. I'm sorry if you experience that. You know, hopefully the Christians they've they've been in touch with have had good words that that aren't full of you know uh, blabbing and 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 boastful and prideful and all those things and that they they could more relate to those like you know what I always love talking to that person that person always I always felt good you know talking about that that person always just seemed to to have something different to say to me uh, when everybody else would just you know rag on me or whatever it is. You know, the, those words of edification are so important because that they might impart grace to the hearers. You know, as as we're sharing, you know, it's uh, it's important for us to understand. You know, when are the words going to come out that, that may be not pleasing? We're still in Ephesians 4. Uh, but, you know, let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking be put away from it. So when we're mad, uh, you know, I'm going to turn into the Incredible Hulk and I'm going to be different. And then I'm going to come back to, you know, the, the Bruce Banner of myself and be nice. And everybody's like, whoa, what just happened here? We shouldn't, as Christians, have those two great sides of complete chaos and blow up when we lose self-control, one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit that are listed, right? We need to have self-control. We can't just lose it and write a tirade of bleep, 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 and then have to come back and go, oh, I apologize. You know, <laughs> it's we, that that shouldn't be for us. You know, if it has been, we confess, forsake it, ask the Lord to change us. You know, uh, get our get our temper under control. But Ephesians four is a great place to go. Read uh, and be kind to one another. It ends uh, tender hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. You know, the tongue of the righteous is choice silver. That choice silver that someone might look at and go, "Hey, that's 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 nice." That's a blessing. Look at that. That's beautiful. You know, that blesses me. That's what comes out of our mouth should bless other people and uh, not uh, not just tearing them down. So, you know, what comes out of our mouth should be blessings. It should be what's listed in Ephesians 4. Verses 7 and 8 to wrap this up. You shall keep them, O Lord. You shall preserve them from this generation forever. The wicked prowl on every side when vileness is exalted among the sons of men. We talked a little bit about it this morning, uh, and I think it was during our, our discussion about voting uh, before church, but, you know, uh, if you have a young family, it's our responsibility to guard what our young family sees and what they hear. And uh, our kids in this culture are under attack. 
and the vileness is so prevalent in this cult, so prevalent. I mean, there's all kinds of TikToks and Yik Yaks, and th th those are real things. Yik Yak, TikTok. Um, I don't even know all of them. Snapchat, and you know all these things that sound cute and funny, and all these things, and people can be completely vile on those things. And what are the kids watching? You know, it, it, we're 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 told to um, if we have children, train up a child in the way they should go. When they're old, they will not depart from it. You know, of uh, of my wife and I raised our kids that hey, what what you're going to hear on the bus on the soccer bus, you know, don't partake in that. You know, find find a Christian friend or find somebody else. Go talk. Have a good have a, have a different discussion. It's it, we 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 tried to change or train up our children, uh, and uh, and you know they're they're old enough now that they're going to have to make the decision to follow the Lord and and to do what is right, you know. But they're under attack in so many different areas, TV, radio, uh, whatever's in their hand, whatever application they open up to, bam, 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 constant attack. You know, the vileness. It said uh, the wicked prowl in their vileness, I think it said. Um, it said the wicked prowl on every side when vileness is exalted among the sons of men. You know, Hollywood hates God and it hates children um, and, uh, and and it hates his children. You know, and, and, you know, they try to silence a famous person when they come to faith. I listened to a uh, uh, an excerpt from a... Um, a uh, interview. He's he's now just a, he only does Christian films because he's a Christian actor and I can't remember his name. Not Kirk Cameron. That's another guy that he'd be a familiar face. Kevin something I think. Kevin Sorbo. Yes, thank you, Kevin Sorbo. Yes, and he said when he became a Christian, he lost he lost his um, his agent and was losing jobs, uh, lost like everybody that was on his side. They're like, what are you doing? And he's describing, no, it's like a cult. As soon as, as soon as the, those people that are supposed, that are preaching acceptance, acceptance, if it's anything other than what they stand for, you're out, you're gone. You know, that, that, when vileness is exalted among men, the prowling, the prowling, that Hollywood would prowl. You think of everything that's being put out by Disney Channel right now. Oh my goodness! It's it's rainbows. It's well, you don't know they them. It's 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 all the it's all that the whole agenda is just it's it's right there. Um, I watched one of the most the most recent uh, Marvel movies, and uh, they have a, a woman warrior. Um, uh, she's oh Valkyrie. She is king. She's not a queen. She is king. I'm like. How is she king? So that must mean that she now identifies as a man or something? I don't know. The wicked prowl on every side when vileness is exalted among the sons of men. Prowling. Prowling, right? Whom they may devour. Uh, Our enemy hates the purity of God, and so do those uh, that love the enemy and hate God. Our enemy hates the purity of God. And and is in, in opposition to uh, the Christian life, and uh, doesn't want marriages, doesn't want us walking strong with the Lord, uh, doesn't want uh, speech against that. Their, uh, you know, when when Jesus told us, "Gates of hell will not prevail again," it won't be able to stand against uh, the work of the Lord. 
that we're on the offensive. We're not supposed to just stand back and stand back and stand back and stand back and just keep getting bowled over. No, no, we have to. No, you know what? That show is not being showed in, in, in our house. It's not happening. We're not listening to that. We're not watching that. That's trash and we're not doing it. That's just it, that verse, verse eight, the wicked prowl on every side when vileness is exalted among the sons of men. Vileness. Everything that's just gross. Everything that's gross. Wanted to sexualize our children. Oh, there, if you can't tell, it gets me a little bit fired up. But yeah, I have three daughters. <laughs> I have three daughters that I I would protect with my life. I explained that this morning. But three daughters to raise in this world, so that they're prepared, that they are prepared for what is out there, the wickedness. Ah, pray for this. Pray for the the youth of this nation, that that they their eyes would be open to the truth and to the Lord, that they understand that there are those that are on the prowl, that that wickedness is prevailing. There, and that they are seen as prey, that they are the ones in in the the crosshairs. We need to pray for them. Let's pray, Father. We thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that we uh, can rest in in knowing that uh, we just place our faith in you, Lord, and in your righteousness, and that we can trust you, and uh, that you hear our sighs and that you, you provide the safety that we long for. Help us, Lord, to follow you, to be a blessing with our words to those around us, Lord, that we wouldn't, um, that we wouldn't have those times of, of, of saying things that are inappropriate and um, anything like that, Lord, that that would be far from us as, as your children, that we wouldn't conduct ourselves that way. But, Lord, when people see our, our lives, when they hear our words, that they would be edified, that they would be built up, as it says in Ephesians 4, that we would be imparting grace to those who hear us, that they wouldn't hear bitterness, wrath, and anger. They wouldn't hear those things or see those things happening in our lives, but they would be edified and that we would impart grace to those who hear us speak. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.